Good morning. Grace and peace and mercy and happiness and joy and truth are ours because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we and the pastoral staff together created a sermon series. Our pastor Darren Lindemann led the discussion on this series that's for Epiphany season. Epiphany is that season of the church year between Christmas and Lent. And during Epiphany, we're going to talk about following Jesus as his disciples. And we're going to look at two books of the Bible. So if you want to stay with us through your devotional reading between Sundays, you would keep reading over and over. And by the way, they both these books take five minutes or less each to read. Second and third John, they are letters written by the Apostle John when he was about 85 years old, the last living apostle at the time. All of the other 12, 13, counting Paul, had been martyred. And John is the last one who'd been with Jesus and got the gospel firsthand, saw the gospel being done by Jesus dying and rising again and holding on and holding out the truth that saves humanity. And what John did there in his gospel writing when he was 85 and his three letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John when he was 85, and his book of Revelation when he was near 90, was he laid, he, he put a capstone on the Christian message in the Bible by saying, as the last living guy, to the confused and mixed up church and confused and mixed up first century gener- uh, Christians, he said, I've got the truth and I'm going to make sure you don't get somebody mixing the lies with the truth. And so today, the first sermon on this, in this series about following Jesus is that disciples walk in the truth. So I want you to imagine that you go to the airport in Austin, Bergstrom Airport, and you're going to, take, you're, you're going to be on a flight to Chicago. And you go to the gate, and you don't, you're busy, you're on your phone, and you don't look up at the plane that pulled in. A lot of times this happens. You never even see the plane. They say, let's load up. You get, in the, you get into the little, what's that called, the gangplank or whatever, and you drive, walk down. You get your ticket you know, uh, checked. You walk down. You get in the plane. You sit down. You buckle up. You put your briefcase in the middle seat, hoping nobody would sit there because this is a Southwest flight and there's no assigned seating. And you look out to the right, and there's not a wing over there. So you scoot over into the window seat and you look down and there's some wires hanging out of the plane. And you get up and you look over there and there's a wing. And you say, beep, push the button. The lady comes down and she says, what is it? There's not a wing over here on the right side of the plane. She says, that's okay. Our our pilot is very loving and he would not let anybody die. He's going to do fine. What are you going to do? I'm getting off the plane. I'm no engineer, but I know... You need two wings on one of those big jetliners to fly. So we know this is a fake picture. Somebody photoshopped the wing off of that plane. That just doesn't happen. Well, there's a lot of churches in the name of religion, even the name of Christianity, that say we've got a lot of love. But truth, you can't really know for sure. And when you look at your Bible, you can't really be sure that it's all truth. It's got some truth and they lop the wing off of the plane. Now, I'm telling you, I'm going to get off of that church. I'm going to get out of there and find a church that says there are two wings, truth and love. Because all over the Bible, I've been in the Bible now for my entire life, 
on all kinds of levels, I see the words truth and love as the two big main concepts that are in the Bible as the wings that you fly Christianity on. And I want you to get off too. I'm a pastor. I'm a shepherd. And I don't want you ever to be a part of a fellowship that says we've got a lot of love. But we're this thing about truth. We're not really, we, we don't, yeah, I'm not sure about that. It's an absolute necessity that the Christian faith is built on truth. And this concept is challenged inside churches and outside of churches every day. So when I was in, and, 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 and you know that, but I'm just, this is the today's about disciples walking in the truth. And what I want to do is elevate with the Bible, elevating it, a couple of concepts about truth that you learn to think clearly to protect your soul by walking in the truth and wanting truth at all costs. So uh, way back when the dinosaurs roamed the earth, I was a freshman in college. And I, it was a secular university in East Texas, not a very big one, but it was a university. And I went to English class, and I really liked this English teacher. She was a very thoughtful and very uh, powerful presenter. And she, I don't know why, you know, it's been a long time. I just remember that how it challenged my faith. I don't remember this, the whole subject matter that day, but she threw a slide up on the screen in this public university of a picture of Adam and Eve, one of those old uh, Byzantine kind of paintings, and, she, and it had Adam and Eve and the snake. And she said, for instance, let's talk about the myth of Adam and Eve. Well, I, she lost me right there, but not that I was judging her, is that I, I was stricken with doubt. Because in a very a person that I really respected, that was a very good presenter, that was very thoughtful, she said very clearly in a college classroom that she believed it was all a myth. And I was just struggling with, is it a myth? I mean, that's good, right? Between 14 and 25, you should be, actually any time in your life, but that's you make this faith your own. You don't just take it because it was told to you, right? I mean, is it, is it a myth? Is it, is it, or is it the truth? Well, the, the Apostle John, when he wrote Second John, as a follower of Jesus who was born a Jew and a, the Savior of the world, who believed and taught, Jesus taught, the entire story of the Old Testament is true. The, John is saying that the truth, go back one slide please, that the truth that we build our life upon includes that the story of the fall into sin of Adam and Eve is no myth. It's got miraculous in it. It has supernatural but it's no myth. It's not a, a creation of someone's mind. It was the real creation. Adam and Eve were created in the image of God, and there's a real tempter, and he entered a snake, and the snake talked to them. There are tons of unanswered questions. I admit that. But the truth is, it happened that way. And they fell into sin and brought death to all creation. All creation. And they brought death into humanity. That's the truth. That's the truth that Jesus taught. That's the truth that John taught. That's the truth. And the death that came from the sin that they created spread to all of us, and the sin spread to all of us, and then therefore the death. And that's in Romans 5. The Apostle Paul talks about that. So truth number one, there was a fall into sin. There is death. And it's our greatest need is a rescue from death and a rescue from sin and the guilt of sin. I mean, that's 
finally, why we're here. And I look out here and I see some kids that are about to go back to college, some in high school, all of us going to watch Discovery Channel, talk to our friends, listen to the news, and I think, oh God, protect them from the doubt and unbelief that come when people say this isn't true. Because there's voices everywhere saying it's not true. But it's true. It's the truth. And it's our biggest need then, therefore, is to be rescued from the death that our sins have caused. And to have eternal life. And therefore to live our life in hope. So God's true answer, according to Jesus, was that Jesus was the answer. The one guy who could say, yes, I'm God's gift to the planet and not be woefully off base and, and totally egocentric, right? And totally selfish was Jesus. I am God's gift, he said. That's what we say at Christmas. That's the truth. It's not a story. I went up to Southwestern University at the urging of Pastor Prangy. He was in South Austin about, oh, 23 or 4 years ago. So the dinosaurs were already extinct. And I, I went because there was a lecturer on the Gospel of Luke at Southwestern University. It's a Methodist university, but it's for a long time ago. That university has, has placed teachers in, 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 in places there that don't believe the truth of the Bible. So this speaker came, and he basically, he, he was very gifted, very well-studied scholar. He said that the gospel, the good news, that Jesus was born, lived, never sinned, and died and rose again, was a figment of the imagination of very well-meaning followers of Jesus who needed him to rise from the dead for themselves to have hope. And he could show us from the writings of Luke, both in the book of Luke and Acts, why he thought that. And I thought to myself, if that's true, I need to quit my job. Because my job at my church is completely built upon the truth that Jesus really lived, never sinned, died on the cross, and rose to conquer sin and death. And there was a chance that he could destroy my faith, right? My daughter-in-law went to school there. She came to know Jesus Christ in our church, in our home, learning the basics of the truth that I'm teaching you, and brought friends with her who weren't in love with one of my sons <laughs> and weren't highly motivated to listen to the Bible studies, but they were challenged and they were saying things they were learning in that classroom there. And they all walked away except for the daughter-in-law. And she happily, with tears in her eyes, said, I know I'm going to heaven because of Jesus because the truth of the gospel affected her. What I'm trying to say is you cannot give up the truth of the story of the Bible and have Christianity. You can't cut the wing off. And I might be saying that like, well, this all comes out of my experience and the latest, greatest things that have happened to me. But no, that's what John is saying. Because behold, they were trying to lop the wing off from the beginning of the church. People have always in their own generation tried not to believe that this is actually the true story. And John's the last living guy. And he says what all the apostles would have said. You can't give up the truth. And when I find a church that holds on to the truth, I'm going to encourage it. And so he wrote him a letter. 
to encourage them. By the way, when I said he said what all the apostles would say, let me just give you two examples. In chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, the apostle Paul said, please, Corinthians, remember Corinth, Greece, a lot of philosophy in town, a lot of speakers talking about what's truth and what's not. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, I, we read this every Easter. I give you this as of the first importance. Remember that Christ died and rose again and was seen by 500 people. And if he did not rise from the dead, we are the most pitiable people. And we ought to go become Epicureans who say, let's just drink and eat, drink and be merry because tomorrow we die. In other words, let's quit our jobs. Let's quit our faith if he did not really rise from the dead. Why is Paul saying that? Because teachers were saying, you don't have to really believe you don't have to really believe that story. It's kind of a myth. I mean, people don't rise from the dead. It's not the truth, right? The apostle Peter is about to die. He writes Second Peter, that's another apostle, and he says, We saw his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. We did not follow cleverly invented stories. This is the truth. This is like a guy sitting in a bar talking to his friend saying, You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> it really happened. Jesus is the truth. You see, so Paul, Peter, and John, and all the apostles say, the wing, you must keep on the airplane to be a Christian faith and have Christian faith is that this is all true. And again, you may think I'm speaking to the choir and I'm beating a dead horse or whatever it is, but I'm telling you that today's the day and this Sunday in this series that God is saying to you, Don't let anyone cut that wing off for you and don't you cut it off either because this is a true thing. Let me read to you first 2 John 1. Okay, you you follow along and uh, listen to how John says what I've been saying. This is the opening words of 2 John. The elder, talking about himself. To the lady chosen, talking about the church, wherever it is in Asia Minor. To the lady chosen by God and to her children. Whom I love in the what? Truth. And not only I, not I only, but also all who know the? Because of the? That lives in us and will be with us forever. This is the truth he's talking about is everything I just said about the death, resurrection of Christ. Because this is what he says. Grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us. What? In what? And where's the other wing? That's next week, by the way. I'm not going to leave love out, but come next week and you'll get all about love. The two wings, right? Truth and love. It was given me, it has given me great joy to find some of my, your children walking in the, just as the Father commanded us. Do you see what he's doing? Disciples of Christ walk in the truth. They know they have the truth. They walk in the truth. They live in the truth because the truth is objectively real. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that sounds painfully obvious, but you need to hang on to it. There is objective truth. And it's not just in terms of engineering, electricity, science, or education. It's also in the matters of religion. There is objective truth. It's not all a wax nose that we make up however we want. And the objective truth is I've summarized in the story of the fall, the sin, the need, the Savior, the perfection, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. Now, so go to the next slide. Your job and my job is this. Let's read this together out loud. Our job is not to decide if there is truth, but to decide if this is the truth that there is. 
If you think that's idiotic, that's fine, because it is idiosyncratic to me. I wrote that. Our job is not to find out if there is truth. That's already been decided. We know electricity is real. We know lots of things are real, but we also know Jesus is real. Our de- but, but we know that because we believe the truth. We have to decide. And some of you are really good Lutherans. Go, wait a minute. You can't say we have to decide in a Lutheran church. Yes, you can. I just did. We have to decide, and we can't on our own. And when we're doubting and we're struggling, that's when we cry out to God and say, give me the trust and the faith that you want me to have. If there's doubts I can't and questions I can't answer, help me to find that peace. And God creates faith. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's a gift of God. What's a gift of God? Faith. You cry out and you say, but I know this is the challenge. Is this Christian faith the truth that there is? Because if I'm a disciple of Christ, I'm a follower of a true Savior. And we've already decided that most of us, that's why we're here January, what, 8th, 7th. That's why we're here. We've decided by faith, by God's power, we've decided this is the truth that is. Now, we're back to the passages, but I've highlighted some things because I want to move you in your listening, in your spiritual journey with me from the concept that the wing of the plane is objective truth to this. True Christian faith, faith equals trust, is trusting that this is the truth and therefore by trusting You live in the truth, and it affects everything. What did I say? Everything in your life. It affects everyone, every decision, everything, because it's the truth, right? So watch how John says the truth has to become, it is becoming, and has become for them, subjective truth. So this is that the gospel, the good news of Christ, has become true for me. I have decided by faith, by God's power, that this really is the truth that there is. So watch how he says it, and look what's highlighted. I'm going to read it again, okay? The elder, the lady chosen, I'm sorry, the elder, to the lady chosen by God and to her children whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also those who know, K-N-O-W, the truth, because of the truth that lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded. I've highlighted these for you. Look at the three phrases. I'm writing to you, church, all who know the truth, because the truth lives in us, and my children are walking in the truth. This is truth out there, the wing of the airplane, becoming the truth that I depend on. So you're in the Austin airport, and you say, I want a different flight to Chicago, and they say there's another one in an hour, and you say, I'll take it, but just a minute, what gate is it? And they say, it's gate 12, and you go to gate 12, and you say, is the plane going to Chicago in about 45 minutes there? And they say, yes, and you go to the glass, and you look, and you say, okay, it has two wings. I'll get on that plane. That's living in the truth. So you look at God and you say, you tell me the truth about salvation. And you look at a church and you say, what do you teach about Jesus Christ? And they tell you and you say, "Okay, I'll get in that church. Because it's based on the truth, right? 
You look at God and what he says about marriage, and you look at that and you say, okay, I'll, I'll do that, Lord, because that's the truth. And every single thing, what does it affect? Everything you learn to know it, to walk in it, and to live in it. And your life has, it, not, it doesn't necessarily get easy. It may even get harder, but it's clear and focused and free because you're walking in the truth. Because you know now this is the truth that is. Read this out loud with me. It's another Donism. It doesn't matter if there is truth if I don't let the truth matter for me. So, uh, the oven is on. I'm sorry, the stove top is on. And it's, it's an electric stove. And there are four little coil burners on top. And one of them is red hot red. And you're an adult. And you look up and the knob for that one is turned and there's a little red light on the back panel. And that's red hot red. You put your hand close to it and you can feel heat. You know the truth that the burner is on. And you live in the truth that if you even barely touch that burner for a nanosecond, blister, run to the sink and put it in the water, right? You know the truth. But you have a two and three-year-old whose job is to test whether what you say is the truth. That's their job. That's what they get paid for. To test whether or not this is the truth. And so your three-year-old walks into the kitchen and you go, whoa, that, no, mama says no, hot, hot, that stove is on, don't touch. And they're starting to what? Not live in the truth, they're testing to see if it's the truth that there is, right? And you rush and you grab and you pull and that's what a Christian looks like who's sounding the alarm to someone who's about to burn themselves by living in the lie. Right? You live in the truth that there's right and wrong. You live in the truth that God is good. And you live in the truth that to follow God means to deal with stuff. It means to deal with your doubts. It means to deal with the things that you're tempted by to sin. It doesn't mean you're perfect at it. It doesn't mean you always get it right. It doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. But it means you're honestly dealing with it. Inside your heart, you live in the truth. And when John writes, you're walking in the truth, he's not saying, well, I know you guys are like the best goody-two-shoe Christians, perfect in every way that I've ever seen. He says you're living honestly, struggling and battling to live in the truth of the gospel, that God's love and grace and forgiveness are real. It means that you deal with your bitterness and your resentment. And you live in the truth that resentment is like a poison that you drink and hope somebody else dies. And you know that's the truth, that it's only hurting you. And you're not living in the grace of the gospel. And it goes on to, to relationships with people to this, that you live, if you live in the truth, you want this truth for everybody and so deep down in every conversation, I don't mean it's like always there, sometimes you forget, but in every relationship, in every setting, wherever you are, you're concerned about people knowing and living in the truth for them. Because this is truth for you. This is just as true as a hot burner. 
It's just as true as an electric socket. It's just as true as the power of a vehicle that can get up to 60 miles an hour in 2.7 seconds. It's true for you. And you want it for other people. And so you want to find ways to share it and you want to support your church with everything that you are to share it too. Because what? You're living and walking in the truth. That's who you are. And it's a lie that you can say the wing is there, but not ever get on the plane or not support the plane. It's a lie to you. It's all whole. It's one. It's disciples of Jesus walk in the truth. And they want other people to know it too. And I'll just give you one example. If you love people, you want them not to be lost. Remember the vicar's example of a compass? North, south, east, and west are true things. Basically, that's north. That's south, that's east, that's west. If you agree with that, raise your hand. Okay, watch this. Deep, dig deep in your heart. Honestly tell me, if you don't really care, raise your hand. Ah, woman, woman, man, man, woman, 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 woman. Women don't care. That's not exactly an absolute truth, but it's a truism about north, south, east, and west. So one summer day in Plano, Texas, our family was at a wedding for Mary's brother and his to-be bride. And it was Saturday of the wedding, and the wedding was in a couple hours, and Mary needed to go shopping for something to wear, or so, not to dress, but something she was looking for for the wedding. I forgot what it was. Mary, you might remember. And she called me, and she said, because we'd never been to my brother-in-law's house that I remember up there at that time. She said, I know I'm not too far away, but I can't get, find my way back. I'm at the corner of like Parker and another street that's there in Plano. And she said, and this is way before you could put it in your smartphone and just say, here's the address. Take me there, right? She's calling her husband on the cell phone, and she said, help me get back. I said, well, I know that corner. I said, are you pointed north, south, east, or west? My wife is a very good woman. She doesn't care about those. And she said, I don't know. And I said, well, okay, look at the trees and look underneath them. Is the shadow leaning to the right or to the left? She said, it's straight down. It's noon. (laughs) I said, is it leaning a little bit? She said, no. I said, I think you better just drive one way and tell me what the next cross street is because there's no way we're going to do this. I really, really want my wife to know the difference between north, south, east, and west because otherwise she'll be lost. You get the illustration? I really, 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 and you really, really, really want other people to know which is north, south, east, and west when they think about faith and Christ. And I'll tell you, all you have to do is engage people in conversation and you'll find out just how much confusion and lack of knowing there really is. And what I'm asking you to do is if you walk in the truth, this is a little, just a little tip on the end of the sermon. If you walk in the truth, what I'm asking you to do is to care enough to engage more people than you have been about 
what is really the truth about Jesus in the Bible and Christian faith. Just, just make that commitment. Because like the last verse of this text says, we get great joy when we know our people, my peeps, are walking in the truth. Disciples of Jesus walk in the truth. And if we have no truth, we have nothing at all. Praise God, we have the truth, right? And so we have what? Everything. Amen.